0: So I would invite you this morning, if you have your Bibles or your electronic device, whatever you access your Bible on, or you can follow along on the screen, I want to read this morning from Luke chapter 13, and we're going to look at verses 18 through 21. Um, One of the parables of Jesus, and here's what it said. It says, "And Jesus asked, What is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. And again he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed it into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for your word this morning, and as we come, God, I pray that you would speak into our hearts the words you want us to hear. And Lord, not only would we hear, but God, the things you want to speak to us, we would actually... um, start to impart and act out within our lives. Give us that strength. Help me to be out of the way. In Jesus, you would be seen, and we give you the glory. In your name we pray, amen. So over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about a series of following the path of Jesus. We're looking through the Gospel of Luke. And I just want to quickly go back and recount where we have been, in case you haven't been here. The first week, we talked about knowing whose you are. And, you know, we all a look to something or someone for our ultimate authority and direction and purpose. And, and we have to decide what that is. You all have to, we all have to kind of look and say, what do I ultimately, at the end of the day, look to for that? Now, it can change at various stages in our life and with different things. But we talked about, when we looked at Jesus and his life, the place that Jesus always went back to was to the Father. He always went back and said, it doesn't matter what I want, God, what you want. And, and so he was always, his authority, his ultimate authority was always God his Father. And he always went back there for that. And we talked about how when we follow Jesus, that should be ours, right? We're looking to God as our ultimate authority, our ultimate direction, giving us purpose. Then the second week, we, we talked about who you are not. And uh, we looked at the temptations of Jesus, and as we walk through the temptations of Jesus, several things that we are not—we're not to be self-relevant, self-rele- reliant, but we're to be God-reliant. So it doesn't mean that we aren't to, you know, we're not to take charge and do things, but it just means at the end of the day, I'm more trusting in God to help me get it done than myself. Um, so we partner with God in that. And then the second thing we're not is we're not world-focused, but God-focused. Now, we live in a a world that has a lot going on. It doesn't mean that we can't enjoy the world, we can't participate in the world, but what it means is that at the end of the day, we are not building our life on the world, we're building it on God, realizing that God has a bigger, better plan for us. And then the third thing that we're not is we're not self-led, but God-led. That we're really looking to God to lead our life, believing that God has a plan and a purpose and a direction for us. Then last week we looked at, as we followed the path of Jesus, knowing our why, and we looked at how Jesus knew his why, and his why was ultimately this, it was to glorify God, which we talked about how glorify means to elevate to the highest position. So he elevated God to the highest position, that's what was in his life, and that lived out that life by loving his father and others through laying his life down, and we're called to do the same thing, that as we live out our why, it's to elevate God to the highest position, to love God, love our neighbor, by laying our lives down to help serve, okay? So that's kind of where we've been. Today, we're going to be talking about following Jesus, and we're going to be talking about knowing where you're heading, knowing where you're heading, um, Today, as we look at this, Jesus knew where he was heading. Because if you look at the Gospels, you find that Jesus, pretty early on, starts to say, i got to go to Jerusalem. And I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and there I'm going to be persecuted, and there I'm going to die, and then I'm going to rise from the dead. He knew that's where he was heading which is kind of great. We'd all like that kind of, well, maybe we wouldn't like that kind of life plan mapped out for us, but that's really the one that Jesus knew was being lived. And so Jesus' whole life was focused on and committed to ultimately growing the kingdom of God because that's what he was about. He was about, I'm coming that humanity might experience life not only presently, but into eternity. And my whole life is committed to helping expand what God wants to do in people's lives and in the world around. Now, once you and I have decided to follow Jesus, our focus should be on glorifying God and allowing Him to use us to grow His kingdom. However, throughout time, what tends to happen is that we know a lot of people that try to grow God's kingdom in their own efforts. We try to do that in our human efforts sometimes. We try to take control and say, we're going to make it God's kingdom. And let me just give a couple of examples how that's gone for humanity. For instance, if you go back to um, the Jewish leaders, even prior to Jesus. So the religious leaders, um, bel- there was a belief at the time that if the Jewish people could go 24 hours without the nation of Israel committing any sin, the Messiah would return. Easy feat for humanity, right? Well, so they knew that, and so what they did is they they took the basic laws, you know we have the 10 commandments, we have love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, love your neighbors yourself, and then around that they put a whole lot of other laws. In fact, it came up to 613 laws and they were like guardrails around those basic laws. So maybe by all these external laws being out there it puts enough of a buffer that people will not commit the sins that are most important, and so we ultimately might be able to pull this off the Messiah would come. Did that ever ultimately happen? Well, yes, Jesus came, but isn't it ironic that the religious leaders were trying so hard to make the kingdom of God for the Messiah to come, Jesus came and they didn't recognize him. And how many times, sometimes in all of our efforts, that we're trying to so hard build God's kingdom and what we think it should look like, that when Jesus actually shows up, we don't see him. And that's sad, isn't it? And, and I'm always like, Lord, please don't let me miss you. Um, because sometimes they're always afraid of that. I mean, we're trying to figure things out and navigate in our world, right? We could go on and look at, um, you know, the time of Constantine, which followed in um, that Constantine, as he became a Christian, he thought, you know, Now that I'm a Christian, we need to make everybody a Christian. And so if you didn't become a Christian, uh, well, off with your head kind of thing. So uh, that, again, didn't work so well. Because what happened is people said, well, I want to die, so I'll say I'm a Christian. But they still believed their pagan ways and as a result, it caused syncretism. So Christianity got blended with all kinds of other things. Uh, That wasn't good. We saw the Crusades. Um, Some of the Crusaders, um, not all of the Crusades, but some of them, it was coming around 1000 AD. And so they said, you know, 1000 AD would be a good time that Jesus might want to come back. Does anybody remember around 2000 when we were going through our um, time of the change over the millennia? And People were thinking all kinds of things. Maybe you thought, I think there was even some religious people out there that said, I think Jesus is going to come back you know, during this year. Um, the early crusaders kind of had that similar thought, and they said, you know, if we're going to get Jesus, the world prepared, we better go to Jerusalem, and, and we're going to kick out all the non-Christians, and we're going to get rid of them. So Jesus has a place to come back to. That didn't, present, that didn't help expand God's kingdom. In fact, it's probably been a black eye on the Christian church for years since, and then the Puritans who came to America, they said, we're going to create a city on a hill, they came to escape religious persecution, but they put a lot of laws and a lot of efforts, which kind of drove people, ultimately, um, you know, it didn't always work out the way they intended, so the reality is, God's kingdom can't be built by human effort, pure human effort, it just, we're not going to make it happen, we're going to disagree on how it should work, and really, this should humble us, I mean, it really should be a place where we're kind of saying, God, I realize I can't do it. I realize we as a church, we as a denomination, we whatever, we can't do it in our own efforts. And so it moves us to seek God's leading and God's empowerment. And so we really want to do that. So reality is God's kingdom, as we said, can't be built by human effort. And so in the Gospel of Luke that we're looking at today, in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus talks about the kingdom of God. Anybody want to take a guess how many times? You can throw out a number. You won't get in trouble if you're wrong. How many? Whoa, dude, you're like super close. 32. <laughs> 32 times the kingdom of God, Jesus talks about it, and he uses parables a lot of times to explain it. Parables are examples or stories that illustrate what the kingdom of God is like. Now, what's really interesting is Jesus really never just said, this is the kingdom of God. He used examples to tell us about what it is. And so, ultimately, what the kingdom of God is, if we look at it through the parables, is it is God's reign. God's reign. And we're going to look at a couple of components, where that's at and how that's lived out. But just hold on to that. When we think of kingdom of God, it's God's reign. So it's a, it's a world that reflects this. It's a world where people are in close relationship with God, with one another, and with a restored creation. So the kingdom of God is ultimately close relationship where people are growing in close relationship with God. They're growing in close relationship with one another and they're participating in a restored creation. Now, we know that's not ultimately going to arrive until the end of time or whenever God decides to put that all right, but that's how we know the kingdom of God is happening. So wherever you're seeing people growing closer in love with God, closer in love with people, and helping restore creation, you know you're in the kingdom stuff. And if you're, do- if you're involved in stuff that isn't doing one of those three things, we may be out of alignment and we may no longer be building the kingdom. we actually might working against it. And when you start looking at that, folks, I don't know about you, but that's, that, that work isn't easy. I mean, I can get up in the morning and say, I am going to be a great Christian today. I am going to make great strides in building God's kingdom. Has anybody found that as you got to about noon and you look back over your day, it did not go so well? Because I find in my own effort, I tend to fall down and fail. And so it's a reminder that all the time I need to go back and say, okay, Lord, uh, I need to partner with you. i got to have you helping me do this um, because I can't pull it off of myself. And so it's really important that we're continuing to do that kind of work and think about it. So how has the kingdom of God grown? Jesus gives us these two examples that we talked about in our text this morning. And I just want to highlight them for us. So the first example he uses is a mustard seed now most of you if you've been around church life you know the mustard seed was the smallest of the seeds that the palestinian farmers used so it grew as a herb an herb and it would literally grow potentially to more like a tree so it could come up to 10 feet high And Jesus talked about that when this grew, then it became a place with branches. It became a place that the birds could come, that they could build their nests, and that they could raise their families. And so this is this kind of picture of the kingdom Jesus is giving us. This great seed that has grown into a great tree that reaches out with branches that becomes a place of shelter, a place of life for the animals that are around it. Now, I think it's interesting, just to go back and tie it, think about, in a way, this this is kind of a big example of the big kingdom of God, and God starts it, we see, with Jesus. Because Jesus is the seed that's planted into Bethlehem. He grows up in wisdom and stature. He proclaims the kingdom of God. As he proclaims the kingdom of God to people around him, we find that people started to come to him People that were broken, oppressed, bound down by sin, needing provision, needing love, needed life, they came unto him, right, and they found life. They found participation in a kingdom that filled them up. And so from very small beginnings, Christ's death and resurrection ultimately become this great kingdom. I and mean, you think, we started with Jesus, Jesus got 12, 12 became 120, 120 became 3,000, and now it has spread literally to billions around the world. This mustard seed has grown out amongst the world and continues to spread even in spite of kingdoms and powers and things that try to stop it. It can't be stopped because it's the kingdom of God at work. But how are we on board with this ourselves that we're being utilized for God to continue to move that work forward in and through us? So the kingdom of God is ultimately this place is grown as a place of faith in Christ and by offering ourselves daily to God. We grow it by daily, and, and I, I don't know about y'all, but I have to be reminded of this daily, that every day, Lord, I need to lay my life down, avail myself to your spirit, and ask you to please, wherever you're going to place me today, help me be somebody who's helping people grow closer to God, grow closer to one another, and help restore the created world in which we live in. So that ultimately becomes our purpose in how we live out this peace. And I think Jesus is kind of showing this. And here, think of this, y'all. When you connect with Jesus, right? When you ask Christ into your life, you become part of this branch that's connected into Christ that's out in the world. And then how many of you run across anybody in, anybody in your day that is lacking hope? Anybody in your day who's lacking encouragement, they're discouraged and beat down by life or, or they don't know where to turn. How many of us are encountering those people every day? And we're this branch out in the world. They're like, so when you think of a bird, for instance, think of a bird, you know, I like birds for the most part. I mean, there are a few we'll talk about, but I, but I do like birds. And birds are relatively a fragile animal or a fragile being, right? Because you take a bird and I'm always amazed if it's a dry spell now, here in this part of Wichita, we have water everywhere, right? I grew up in western Kansas. There wasn't always water everywhere. And, and for birds, they had to rely on God to give them water. In the winter, where did these birds get their food? I don't know. If we didn't have bird feeders, I mean, they're, they have to rely. They have to rely on God for provision and protection. So they were, you know, this inviting Jesus, giving us an envelope of these fragile beings being invited into these branches that are being housed and finding life. Well, that ultimately, as we encounter these people that are lacking hope, that are discouraged, maybe, you know, they're out there, they're looking, and we get to invite them and say, but I want you to know that Jesus loves you. Jesus wants to invite you in that he wants to walk through life with you as well. And we get to invite them in to this kingdom as people meet Jesus and they encounter Christ and, and hopefully they come to know him and, and walk in him. And it, it's just this powerful image for us. So we use our gifts, our talents, our passions ultimately to be branches out into the world to help people connect ultimately to Jesus. You know, this week when we were talking, and maybe we shared, uh, I, I, we didn't share it here in the third service, but you know, we talked about the theme this week was shine Jesus light. And the kids learned that when the world seems dark, shine Jesus light. So let's just try that for the fun of it, okay? So when the world seems dark, shine Jesus light. That allows us to grow the kingdom of God out in our world as we walk this journey together. So I want us to just think this morning You know, how is Jesus calling us to be his voice, his branch to those around us? Who has God been bringing around you lately that you thought, maybe they're an annoyance. They're they're just people you don't really want to hang with, but God keeps bringing them around you, and you're like, why are they there? And you may be that branch that's there saying, hey, come on in. Uh, I want to be you to meet this Jesus who loves you as much as he loves me, that he cares about you as much as he cares about anybody, and he wants to walk with you. bring life to you now the second illustration i'm not going to spend as much time on it but the second thing that jesus says in this parable he then uses the example of dough okay now i want you to think about this for a minute i think the dough represents our lives i think this is getting more personal i think the first analogy is really the kingdom is out there but the second one is about the kingdom is in here too and, and so think about it for a moment that Jesus talks about, he says, there's this faith in Christ that's allowed to come into us. Now, I want you to think about the analogy he gives. He says that God is the needer, and God has 60 pounds of dough that he's kneading yeast through. Can I ask, how many of you have ever needed 60 pounds of dough? I mean, how big is 60 pounds of dough? I, I can't even imagine... I mean, that's a massive undertaking, right? And why did Jesus pick 60 pounds of all the numbers he could have picked? And I think it's because it's a big job. It's a big job for God's kingdom. Just as it's out there, it's a big job for God's kingdom to continue to be at work in us. You know, when I first became a Christian, and I grew up in the church, but when I first heard Jesus really inviting me to relationship and I said yes, i Man, it seemed like things were just moving fast. I mean, I, I just was so excited about my Christian faith. I was reading the Bible. I wanted to be in church. I wanted to pray. I just thought, wow, I've got this mastered, and I've been a Christian all of a week. But you know, the longer I'm a follower of Jesus, the more I find how many spaces in me still need Jesus' lordship. Because I find there's a whole lot of me yet and the older I get, that just hasn't quite got it. And I find that Jesus is kneading his yeast into those spots. And now sometimes I wrestle him, say, we're not going there. And he says, yeah, we're going to keep working it, right? And our whole lifetime, God is working those areas to push life into those areas, claiming the kingdom fully in us, Because he realizes the more that Jesus occupies in who we are, the more life we have. And so out of his love, he's continuing to do that in us and moving through us. And so those areas right now that you're feeling some resistance or you're feeling, I hate this, that may be the very place right now that God is at work needing it, trying to birth a new avenue of the kingdom into your life and taking you to a position and level you didn't know you could have and experience as you walk in that and i think that's what jesus is trying to lay out here and i love in philippians 1 6 when paul says it this way he says being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it out into completion until the day of christ jesus jesus never gets done continuing to grow his kingdom in us just as he's always trying to grow the kingdom out and beyond us as well so just think about it for a moment what has jesus done in your life since you first started this journey following jesus What have you seen happen? Have you seen God continue to grow and and mature and deepen you? I I hope we have. And if you're sitting here going, I don't know if I've ever seen any of that, well, Jesus is inviting you and saying, would you just let me have your heart and I want to fill you and do that work in and through you. I find one of the ways that really can be helpful with this is, you know, when you like journaling, if you like to write, how am I experiencing God moving in my life? And if you have a small group, telling your small group what God's teaching you and doing you do. It's a way to identify where God is growing his kingdom in and through us. So here's the deal, folks. The kingdom of God as we follow Jesus is ultimately God's reign both around us and in us, that we're growing closer to God, growing closer to other people, and experiencing God's restorative kingdom. Now, I just want to tell you, folks, There will be ongoing distractions to try to keep us and get us off that path. In fact, Jesus had a lot of people tell him, you don't need to go to Jerusalem, you shouldn't go to Jerusalem. That's not a good idea to go to Jerusalem. But Jesus knew that his goal was to focus on the Father, to go where God was calling him to go, and for us too, there will be distractions. Things will try to take us off the path. But whenever we realize that, just refocus and just Let Jesus get us back on the journey where he's wanting to take us, realizing he's building a good kingdom around us and in us as we continue to trust and look in him as we surrender our lives and hearts unto Jesus. May it be so in all of us. Amen.